changing behavior in the clinic setting. That wasn't the topic you were given, but uh, the, the topic you were given had something to do with about the entering wedge and changing. The entering wedge, I think, has to do with the right arm of, you know, and for the gospel, and so I thought, well, let's just change the title and changing behavior in the clinic setting. How many of you here are in primary care medicine? All right, so you know what I've put up with for the last 21 years. Actually, uh, longer than that. For 21 years, I've been in Brunswick, Maine, and uh, I've been a uh, general internist, which means I see patients in my office, like most of you do, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then a half a day Friday, and Thursday I do other things. Uh, like visit. I can use a microphone if I'm given one. How about that? Is, is this the one you want me to use? Okay, or I can talk louder, whichever you prefer. Okay. Or I can do both if you're hard of hearing. I don't know. Uh, as I was saying, for the last 21 years I've practiced in Brunswick, Maine. Uh, and today is like a warm summer day in Maine. Uh, we get about three of these. Um, I was uh, on a plane going to Maine before I decided to move there, and I sat by a uh, Mainer who, uh, now can you hear me better? It's on. Now, there we go. You want me to slide it up? Okay, well, we can do lots of things here. I could hold it there. Um, I don't want audio verse to feel cheated, so I'll put theirs up. Um, it was a, it was a, I was flying in and I talked to the guy. I said, tell me what summers are like in Maine. He said, well, last summer was absolutely gorgeous. You can't believe what a beautiful summer we had. Uh, let's see, he said, yep, it was on a Wednesday. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> That's, that's how things are. The, the trouble that we have in primary care medicine is uh, we've got 10 to 15 minutes, right? That's what you've got to interface with the patient. How are you ever going to change behavior in 10 to 15 minutes? Well, I, as I often do, I ask several people uh, here you know, what, what they would recommend. And the most common answer that I got was, you need to pray for the right patients. <laughs> yeah. and, and I would submit to you that that is an answer, but it's not the right answer. Um, so with, with that in mind, let's begin with a word of prayer. Our Father, we are thankful to be together on this beautiful day. We pray that you will be among us today, that you will minister to us, that we may see things clearly. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, the first statement on, on the uh, handout is as follows. When it comes to health, you have to buy it to sell it. Now in real estate, that's not true, right? You can sell somebody else's property. They do it all the time. That's how they make their money. But when it comes to health, 
you have to buy it to sell it. Modeling a healthy lifestyle is the best sales pitch. Um, it's really difficult to tell my patients to lose weight when I need to. Now, if I've struggled with that, that's even better because, you know, I'm, I'm right along with them. Uh, and uh, my patients look at me and they say, yeah, but you don't understand. And I say, well, what you don't know is my brother weighs 260 pounds, or he did. Um, and, you know, the smell of food, I, I can gain weight on the smell of food. <laughs> Anybody else here like that? I mean, you just smell it, especially certain types of food, uh, you just gain weight. Uh, the next thing to remember is this. Every change for the better is a gift from God. Every change for the better is a gift from God. It's not from you. It's a gift from God. And you know that from the text, um, every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights, or Father above. Um, Ministry of Healing has a similar... Uh, uh, paragraph here or one that tells us the same thing. We usually read this paragraph and this is on page 143 of Ministry of Healing, Christ's method alone. We know all that. But how about the paragraph before it? Do you know what that one says? It says this, it is only through the grace of Christ that the work of restoration, physical, mental, and spiritual can be accomplished. It is only through the grace of Christ. Um, so when I say, well, I have to pray for the right patient, that isn't the answer, is it? Uh, next point, change for the better without God may bring evil instead of good. And the text there is... Uh, Christ talking to the Pharisees, he said, you compass land and sea to make one convert, and you make them twice the son of hell they were before. Uh, those are his words I'm quoting. Twi Have you seen the health message make someone harder? They're stronger, they feel better, and so they sin harder. Yeah. Change for the wrong reason can be good, but remember, taking credit for the change that God gives will always bring evil. And you know, it's so easy as physicians, you know, the patients come in, thank you, doctor. And you say, wow, you know, I am very skilled, you know. <laughs> uh, no, no, God is the only, it is the grace of Christ alone that brings restoration, alone that brings restoration. And I think this is so important when you're in that room with that patient. How much time does God need to change a life? Well, a lifetime, but he can change the direction like that, can't he? What about Saul? He was on the way to Damascus, and, and God said, well, this is going to take me a long time. Is that what he said? I know. And, and if that's what we're working with, then when we're in the clinic, who do we depend on? God. Okay. Now here's another point. Pray for and whenever possible with your patients 
encouraging them to look to God for help in making changes for the better. Um, this is what I often do if I'm talking to a patient, if they're new uh, to me, although I don't have a lot, or I didn't have a lot of new patients until recently because my practice has been closed for about 20 years. Most of my patients I've had for 21 years. That's the way things work in Maine. You're there until, you know, you have that celestial transfer, and that's, <laughs> that's what we're all hoping for eventually. But um, now I'm taking new patients because I have some, um, I'm doing more consulting work in lifestyle medicine. And when I have a new patient that, that I don't know well, often I'll say when we're talking about a change, you know, we have a prayer list here in this office. Would you like me to put your name on that list? And if they're a little hesitant, I, I say, well, I will do that. But if they say, oh, yes, that would mean so much to me, then I say, would you like a prayer right now? And, you know, it's the rare patient that says no. And, and that gives you, you know, gives them a little freedom and a little respect for their, uh, their belief system. And yet it always gives you the opportunity to bring up prayer. Um, now, there's something in, in Desire of Ages. Several t speakers have mentioned the ministry of healing in the two chapters, physician as an educator and teaching and healing. They're very good, but I would also recommend the chapter in Desire of Ages uh, that I'm going to quote from now, not quote, read from now, and it's uh, Go Teach All Nations. If you haven't read it recently, I would encourage you to read it. Um, particularly page 824. Um, and I think this is very, very important for us as health professionals to keep in mind. Um, so I'll just read you a paragraph. For the sick, we should use the remedies which God has provided in nature. We should point them to him who alone can restore. It is our work to present the sick and suffering to Christ in the arms of our faith. Now, did you get that? It is our, how much faith do they have to have? No, I didn't say anything about their faith, did it? In the arms of whose faith? Our faith. It, it, and that's our work, isn't that what it says? It says, it is our work to present the sick and suffering to Christ in the arms of our faith. We should teach them to believe in the great healer. We should lay hold on his promise and pray for the manifestation of his power. And then the next sentence is, is very critical, but before I read it, I want to ask you, what is the essence of the gospel? Anybody, what's the essence of the gospel? No takers, huh? God loves, us. God loves us. Okay. Listen to what she says. The very essence of the gospel is restoration. Now, we just read in Ministry of Healing who alone, what alone is responsible for restoration, right? The grace of Christ. The very essence of the gospel is restoration. 
and restoration may take place when you lift up your patience in your arms of faith and ask for God's healing power. So change in the office setting takes on a whole new aspect, doesn't it? And, you know, what we really are is um, conduits for the grace of Christ. Um, and you know what? You may not even know that a person has changed from interacting with you. Uh, God doesn't always tell us what wonderful people we are. Instead, in fact, what does Ellen White say? The closer we come to Jesus, how will we appear in our own eyes? Yeah, worse. Yeah. But don't despair because this next, um, this next thing is equally important. Recognize your need of help. And if you don't take anything else from the talk today, I want you to take these next two sentences. They're from the chapter, the Sermon on the Mount. She's talking about the poor in spirit. From the soul that feels his need, nothing is withheld. Can you wrap your arms around that? Okay, let me, let's picture something, okay? We uh, are looking around up in heaven. We've been granted an opportunity to go up there. And there's God, and he's having a big conference. He's got Gabriel, and he's got the cherubims and the seraphims, and, you know, they're ruling the universe. And they've they got this big deal they're working on, and they've got a lot of problems down there and in the earth, and, and plus they've got all these stars they're taking. Uh, and, and Gabriel says, oh, I'm sorry, God, but there's this persistent person out there, and they're knocking. They're knocking. Um, shall I tell them to go away? And God says, who is it? Oh, um, that's that Tim Howe guy. Does God say, oh, not him again? No, he said, oh, let him in. He really needs help. So they interrupt everything, and they say, oh, come right in, come right in. And so you, you go in there, you or me, and, and there you are, right with God. And Gabriel, you know, he's checking his watch. He said, hey, it's, been a, it's been a while. Um, God, don't you think we ought to get back to business? I mean, isn't that, isn't that what it's saying? And God says, oh, no, no. He has what kind of access? unlimited access that's what it says from the soul that feels his need nothing is withheld he has unrestricted access to him in whom all fullness dwells can you beat that I can't and so <clears throat> when you go to your patients you don't have much time but who do you have You have power. Well, you know, <clears throat> you have to assess change readiness, right? I mean, isn't that what uh, Prochaska and those said? You, you got to say, well, is this patient ready for change? And you go through the pre-contemplation. Do you do that <laughs> in 15 minutes? I mean, no. You, send, you say, God, send the manna, and if they want to pick it up, fine, and if they don't, okay. Um, yeah, I think it's somewhat helpful. Uh, when I'm talking with smokers particularly, I want to know, you know, where are they on this scale? Have they thought of 
everybody's thought about smoking cessation. I mean, no one today no, thinks that it's good for them. I mean, that might have happened 20, 30 years ago, but not today. They all know it's bad, so they've all contemplated it that, you know, they're somewhere on that list. But you know what I tell them? I say, listen, I, I, I really appreciate you smoking. I just want to tell you that right up front because there aren't many people who will give their bodies so that I can have something to do. <laughs> you know, I, I just, you've helped put my children through college and I really appreciate it. But, but since you've done your job and because I've paid the last one through college, if you ever want to quit, let me know. And I give them a little handout on five uh, days to stop smoking that Agatha Thrash did. It's a great little thing. We've adapted it for our practice. And I said, listen, when you want to quit, just call us. Just call us and we'll put you on our prayer list. In, in my office, I have this sheet of paper on the door and I write patients' names on it. You know, we change it periodically, but we have their names on. So someone calls up, uh, can you start praying for me? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit smoking. Oh, yeah, we can do that. And we put it up there, and, and, and we pray for them. Now, who's doing the changing? Is it me? No. And they know it's not me. They know where the power is coming from. And isn't that what you want to convey to your patients? Yeah, it is. Uh, so that they get this idea that... Um, if they feel a need, they can go to the same place that you go. So assessing change readiness is important, uh, but um, God is the one who moves them from one step to another. And I think that's important to keep in mind. Ellen White, in many ways, says the following. She says, expression strengthens impression. And I think this is very important when we're talking to patients about change. Um, she says, uh, those who talk faith will have faith. Those who talk discouragements will have discouragements. Uh, how many of you have read the book Motivational Interviewing by Miller and Rolnick? It's a great book. I, I heartily recommend that you at least read the first chapter or two. Um, and then think about what they're really saying. Uh, and then what I'd recommend is that you read uh, Christ's interview with Nicodemus and his interview with the woman at the well and his interview with the rich young ruler. And then read in Desire of Ages about those uh, same interviews. And uh, pick up some of your tips from the way Christ interviewed. It's really interesting if you think about what he did with Nicodemus. You know, Nicodemus comes and he says, good master, da-da-da-da. And Jesus goes and cuts right to the quick. And he said, you've got to be born again. And Nicodemus, he's, he's kind of, he's off balance. He's saying, wait a minute. Um, and so he says, well, you can't really be born when you're old, can you? And, and Christ just nails him again. And, you know, Jesus is really good at keeping his people a little off balance when they need to be kept off balance. Look what he did to the woman at the well. She said, and one, uh, she said, well, you know, the Jews say they should worship here and we're worshiping here and tried to get him into that mess. And he just said, no, we're not going there. And then he said, 
go call your husband. He knew full well that she had had five. What was he doing? She was off balance again. She said, wait a minute, who am I talking to? And sometimes keeping your patients just a little off balance, you know, when do you change? When you're set really steady? No, no, when you're off balance. That's why I, use, well, I say that uh, thing to my patients uh, when they need to quit smoking. I say, I really thank you for smoking. Because they say, where is he going with this? They're off balance and they're thinking a new way. Humor will do that. And use humor with your patients. They don't expect it from you. Use a little humor, change up things, get them off balance, and then they're more uh, willing to change. And that's very helpful. Uh, the other thing about motivational uh, interviewing that uh, relates to this is um, Miller and Rolnick say, never argue with your patient. Uh, Nicodemus came and he wanted to have a discussion and Jesus said, no, we're not going to discussion, we're going to the heart of the matter. Uh, and you don't want to argue with your patients because if they express resistance, they become more resistant. And so you want to draw them out and you don't want to get into a fight with them. Uh, as one person expressed it, it's sort of like martial arts where you don't really resist the, the punch. You kind of just, you know, lead them right through it into a roll, you know, just whoop, like that. And you say, oh, well, let me help you up. Um, and, and really you do that when you're wanting to change people. You roll with it. You, you, if, they, if they get defensive, you just kind of side it in a little bit and then get them off balance again. And that type of interviewing really helps change. We see that Jesus did that. Uh, and yet, um, that Miller and Rolnick say, don't confront. Oh, no, no. Sometimes you need confrontation. Uh, it's sort of like the uh, fellow that had the mule that he sold. You may have heard this story. He, he sold this mule to uh, a farmer down the road. He said, this is a great mule. He works hard. He works all day. Um, I've never had any problems with him. And so the guy said, great, this is just the kind of mule I need. And so he took him home, hooked him up to his plow the next day, and the mule wouldn't go. He just wouldn't go. So he called the guy up, and he said, you sold me a bum mule. The farmer said, I don't think so. And so he came down. and. Uh, there it was, and he wasn't moving, and he picked up a two-by-four, and he just cracked the mule over the head just as hard as he could. The mule stood up and started plowing. He said, there's nothing wrong with the mule. You just got to get his attention first. <laughs> and sometimes you have to get your patient's attention. And, and I do this too. I mean, we all do. It's with a diagnosis. Uh, I had a patient that, that I've been after for a while. He needs to cut back on his alcohol, read, eliminate and uh, he needs to change his diet some. And you know, I was having trouble uh, getting his attention. His mother died of dementia, small vessel disease. You've all heard of that. Well, I said, well, I'm gonna get a CT scan because I know he's got the same, he just doesn't know it. And I got a CT scan and sure enough, he had small vessel disease, not as bad as his mother. But what did I do to get his attention? I laid his mother's scan, she now deceased, on the deck in his scan, just like that. And I said, now I want you to read those. Do you think I got his attention? Oh yeah, I sure did. Because his mother didn't even know who he was. And he said, I don't want to go there. And so sometimes you need that confrontation. But remember this, the gospel comforts the afflicted and afflicts the comfortable. 
And you've got to do that in your practice too. Because if there's someone that's really afflicted, they need comfort. You don't want to hit them hard. You want to say, you can do it. You can change. With God's help, you can change. Miller and Rolnick talk about self-efficacy. There's no such thing. The only efficacy there is is the divine human connection. There's nothing else. You can't do it without God. Every impulse to good comes from above. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. And uh, they need to understand that, and so do you. John said, quoting Christ, without me you can do nothing. And Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. They need to understand that. Well, how about some settings for change um, in our few minutes left here? The one that's most common is one-on-one, -on -one, and as several speakers have already mentioned, I think Neil Nedley uh, Thursday night mentioned this, Christ used one-on-one -on -one all the time. It's the most effective, because if you change one person, you've changed a lot more than one, because of all the people that they're going to affect. Never forget that that is the most effective way to change people, one-on-one, -on -one, in your office. I don't know another area in, in the world where you can sit down in an exam room with a total stranger, ask them any question under, un, you know, under the earth, uh, under the sun, and they'll answer you most of the time honestly. You can ask them to take their clothes off, and they will, and, and, you know, and then they walk out and pay you for it. I mean, is there another profession that gives you that much touch with humans? No, there isn't. It is an incredible privilege and honor, but not one that should be taken lightly or ever abused or used. And never forget that the power of change is not in your hands unless it's been placed there by God. You know, on my way to work, I used to listen to the news. I drive about uh, 18 minutes to work, depending on how the traffic goes and if I get called emergently, I can make it in 13, but that's, yeah, watch out. Um, but I used to listen to the news. I don't anymore. I pray for myself that God can use me and for my patients that need to change. I say, God, you're the one. It's only your grace. It's not me. Remember so-and-so, remember so-and-so. I'd encourage you to do that. If you have to listen to the news, you know, okay, do it on the way home. Or, or you might find that praying both ways is good. You know, I, the thing that you'll find is you're busy too, right? Anybody here have it? free time or time to kill? No, no. None of us do. So you've got to gather up the fragments of time. Don't let any slip through your fingers. And, and when you're driving the car, that's a wonderful time to pray. And if you have five minutes to work, well, that means that you have 10 minutes somewhere else. If you drive a half an hour, that's a wonderful time to prepare yourself for God to use you for the day. One-on-one -on -one change is very important. I, um, in my free time, I volunteer at a clinic uh, we call the Oasis Clinic. And I had worked all day. I was tired. It was uh, Wednesday. And uh, Oasis Clinic starts at uh, 
6 o'clock. I usually make it on time by 6.30. And, um, you know, it had been one of those days where everything goes wrong and you say, why me, God? Um, but he never really uh, says anything other than, yeah, I'm still here, keep hanging on. And uh, I thought on my way over, you know, these are these patients that, you know, they're smoking and they, you know what Medicaid patients are like, right? You ever had any of those? But I said, you know, God, maybe, maybe you could help someone t tonight. So I get over there, it's a diabetic clinic, and um, I have two patients, and uh, the first one comes in and he's a heavy set guy, smoker, uh, on disability. Um, but God said to me, talk to this guy. And so I confronted him. I said, you know, you're a smoker, you're overweight, you got type two diabetes, you're gonna be on insulin soon. He was already on the sulfonylureas and metformin and you know all the other stuff, maxed out. His A1C was 10, you know, a disaster. And I said, you know, you don't have to be this way. God can help you change. He said, I think this was a divine appointment. The patient told me this. So <clears throat> I said, listen, we run a diabetes reversal clinic. You come for free, but on one condition. You have to go on a diabetes reversal diet for two weeks before you come. He said, well, what diet is that? And so I told him. And it's not fun if you've you know, been a regular US citizen and smoking and drinking and you know, eating the four-legged creatures. And uh, you know, I, I said, you know, go buy such and such a book. And uh, you know, if you don't want to buy it, I'll just say, so I don't want to buy it. So I just wrote him out a menu. And it was rather plain. He said, I'll do it. I said, God will help you. And you need his help. Two weeks later, he shows up and he, he said, you know, I'm having all kinds of trouble. I said, what's your, he says, I'm feeling weak. I said, well, I know what the problem is. Get off your medicine. He went through our diabetes uh, reversal class. It's only four nights. He's, on, he's off of three of his uh, diabetic medicines, only on metformin now. I had to stop his blood pressure medicine, but he couldn't quit smoking. But here's the beauty about a group visit. How many of you do group visits? Anybody here? Yeah, they, they can be really effective. What we do is we have uh, both diabetes and heart disease reversal run in the same class, and we prepare a supper for them. So they get a meal, and it's tasty. Uh, I don't prepare it, that's why it's tasty. Um, and they love that food, they just love it. And they all eat and they talk together. We encourage them to exchange names if they want, and, and they have a great time, he came to that. And uh, one of the uh, ladies that was there had been a smoker and had quit. And uh, she said to this guy, she said, listen, I want your number. He said, okay, here's my number. And she said, I'm gonna call you every day and encourage you to quit smoking. And she did. And you know, he quit. These people, they support each other. It's a wonderful opportunity for change. And if you're not doing group visits, do group visits. It's, it's a little bit of work, but you know, my nurse practitioner takes the afternoon off and goes home and, and cooks. 
and then we come together and uh, she gets out this food and, and they help each other and uh, then I talk to them for about 45 minutes to an hour and um, then we of course measure their blood pressure and a few things to make it uh, legitimate for uh, insurance purposes. But you see 10 people, 12 people, 14, 15, 16 in, all together in an hour and a half, two hours and then you have to chart on them but you still get a whole afternoon in two hours. So it's, it's financially doable, it just requires a little different thinking and a different setting. We did it for a while in our home, but now the hospital where I work has provided a room for us that works very nicely and has a little kitchenette. And that's a wonderful setting for change because now the patients are ministering to each other like this lady and uh, gentleman did. And uh, this gentleman who uh, got off, now he's off of all of his medications and he's quit smoking, um, his wife came along too and she had terrible fibromyalgia. Well, that's gone too. Uh, and she came up afterwards after she had come to all the classes and she said, you don't remember me. I said, no, I'm sorry, don't. She said, I was your patient 15 years ago. And you talked to me about this stuff and I listened, but I thought, no, I'm not going to do it. She said, I've suffered for 15 years because I haven't listened to God's voice. Now, what had happened? I had said it the first time, but I hadn't introduced the other stuff. The important thing, like the grace of Christ is the only thing that will change you. Now she heard it the right way, and God was able to make happen, the change happen, and it worked. Because fibromyalgia, much of it, as, as I'm sure you've experienced, will go away if you get people on a good diet and get them living better. And I, I'll tell you, it's very rewarding to see these changes. Um, another change setting is seminars. One thing that we do at Parkview, I started Parkview Hospital is a uh, hospital that I work at in Brunswick. It was started as an Adventist hospital and still is, although it has a management contract now with Central Maine Medical Center. I often say somewhat tongue-in-cheek, Israel was taken to Babylon, but they still had a ministry, and uh, that's sort of where we are. But uh, nonetheless, we have a Lifestyle Choices program that was started in 1995. It's the same type of thing that they do at Weimar, only on an outpatient setting. And the way it works is the patients come for 10 days, Every evening from uh, 5 o'clock till 8 o'clock, they get supper, a takeout breakfast and lunch. We give them a period of exercise and an hour to an hour and a half of lecture, testing before and testing afterwards. That's another change setting that's very, very effective. We used to have to struggle to get people in, and I did it twice a year because in Maine in the winter, it's hard to get people to come out of there, you know, leave the fireplace. Uh, from January through February and in the summer no one comes indoors they all stay outside you know so we have it in the spring and fall but recently we've had so many people coming that uh, we've had to do two sessions we just finished one with 40 people we're doing another 40 uh, in November when I get back uh, last spring we did 70 we could only have one class that was a bit big uh, but the Lord blesses 
And the, the change is amazing as these people eat differently and they listen and they interact with each other and they exchange names and they call each other up. Really encourage your patients in that type of a setting to help each other. That's very powerful as well. Um, the last one that I have there is uh, public lectures. Um, I've done them for a lot of years in Brunswick. Uh, about mm, six years, five years ago now, we started partnering with a local uh, cable channel to do a series called Healthy Living. And we've done about 30, 35 lectures now, and they just play them over and over on the cable channels. And I was at the dump one day a few years ago, and uh, you know, when you go to the dump, you don't want to look like a doctor, right? You know, I had my hat pulled down, and I was in really scruffy clothes, and I was unloading some old culverts that my father-in-law had drug home, and he shouldn't have brought them home. They weren't any good anyway, and I was a little upset that I had to dump them off the truck, and you know, I'm in filthy dirty, and this guy that worked at the dump came up and he kind of looked at me and he said, aren't you a doctor? <laughs> I didn't say, yeah, what is that to you? But <laughs> um, I said, yes. He said, I want you to know that I watched your talk on diabetes and it changed my life. No, my talk didn't change in his life. God changed his life. He said, I'm off my medication. He said, I've never felt better. You know, God can use even the electronic media to change lives. And the, the wonderful thing about those programs now is that there's a philanthropist uh, in Maine that has made them available to all local channels across the uh, cable channels across the country for free. And uh, we're now available to 40% of the homes in the U.S and we're in the top 20 for downloads. And uh, that's just the Lord's doing. Uh, it's amazing what God will do if we allow him to. Uh, and that's just another setting for change. Never miss an opportunity to, uh, to speak for health. And don't be afraid to mention where the power comes from. That's so very, very important because when you do, then other doors open. Um, one of my patients uh, had uh, squamous cell carcinoma of the lung. He was supposed to die but didn't. And about 10 years later, he came up to me and said, will you marry me? Not me marry him, but you will you marry me to so-and-so? <laughs> and I got, to provide, I got to perform the ceremony for this guy to get married. His wife had died and he was remarrying. I've had the wonderful opportunity to speak at several of my patients' funerals and, and even give several of the funerals. Never miss an opportunity to get into the community. Make yourself available to your patients. You know, they say, oh, you've got to keep that strict. No, no, you don't. Did Christ. No, no, he, he met the people where they were. He was often seen, you know, celebrating with them, and so much so that the Pharisees called him what? A wine-bibber, right? So be seen with the people. Be there. Christ's method alone is the one that works. He mingled among them, and he really cared about them. And that's what we're to do, too, if we want to change things, right? Any questions? I think our time is about up.
questions. Thank you very much. This media was produced by Audioverse for Amen, Adventist Medical Evangelism Network. If you would like to learn more about Amen, please visit www.amensda.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.